video a little bit there. Um, what you saw was a modern-day interpretation. It was done on TV last Easter. It was, uh, I think Tyler Perry did it. It was called The Passion. You saw Judas in an exchange with Jesus in a song. I bet most of you didn't figure you'd be hearing Imagine Dragons song this morning, did you? <laughs> little shocker. I, I like to use stuff like that every once in a while. Now let me give you a little background leading into the video. We were here in Ohio, it's been what, 13 years now? It's been a while. <laughs> um, moved from here to a little city called Indianapolis. We went from a little city of Lawrenceville to a little city of Indianapolis. That was a big change for us. Um, when we left, I just had this calling that I felt like I needed to move because God was moving me in a different direction. I felt the speaking to me of things changing and, and we moved over there and I like to call it the school in the wilderness for me. I feel like I've been in a different place at different time, uh, needed to be there to work on me a little bit, learn on what God wants me to do for the people that he's sending to me and that he wanted me to work with. Um, and during that time I've spent time on many jobs. Um, when we first got there, I took a few part-time jobs. Terry had a teaching job lined up. She went to, uh, to a school there, one of the high schools, and was teaching. I was working part-time. One of my first ones was at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. One, that was a pretty cool job. Got to hang out there at the Speedway for a while. Uh, did some other things, and finally now I'm at Walmart. I'm a department manager there over the online shopping. Uh, that's been a real experience. Um, but in that time, I've encountered a lot of people. I've done a lot of things, got to meet a lot of people. Um, we have a little church there that, that we, we meet on Sunday mornings at, at a house. So I'm kind of used to sitting on a couch or a chair and all kicked back and maybe a hot chocolate off to my side and, and uh, talking to a very small group. So this room's pretty big. And uh, I'm not used to standing a lot, so I might move a lot. Another thing I usually do with my group is, of course, I can, they're so small, I just reach out and ask them questions. I'll try not to put you on the spot today and do that to you. So, but when we got there, I started working with these different people, and I observed a lot of things. And one of the things that I observed is exactly what you've seen in this video. I like to call it the dance. I told a couple of people, I said, I'm going to be speaking on the dance. And they're like, oh, Garth Brooks? I'm like, no, sorry. <laughs> Went another direction. Thought about it, but went another direction. Um, yeah, I call this the dance. Like I said, it was a modern-day interpretation of, of using a, a, a popular song of our time with Judas and Jesus. And I think it was one of the best things I'd seen in a long time because I think it really does tell the story of, of what may have went on with Judas and Jesus, so just in the aspect of the emotion that was involved and what, what, uh, what happened there. Because I'm inclined to think that most people really want to be in a relationship with Christ. I think they really do want to be good. I think they really do want to have this difference in them, and they, they're seeking it. And I think we all know people that we're out there, we're looking at them, and, and they're moving around, and they're doing things, and we're watching their life, and maybe we're involved with them a little closer, being friends with them, and we're seeing things. And on the inside, there's this turmoil. They want to do this good, but for some reason, they think they're not worthy anymore. They think that they can't do things. And I think... Jesus wants to really shelter these people. I think he does want to bring them in. I think he does want to give them the keys to the kingdom. I mean, after all, that's what Scripture tells us, right, when we read it? And so here we are, we're watching Judas and Jesus kind of going at it in this song. Jesus is saying, I just want to shelter you, and, 
And, and he's like, you can't do it. Look in these eyes. Look in these eyes. Don't you see it, Jesus? I'm messed up. I'm messed up. I am not worthy to even walk with you. Just take a look at me. You know, and, and, and so I think I've ran into many of those people, and I've seen them walk away hurting, failing, feeling like their life is just incomplete and on their way to destruction and on that course for that. So I see these people who struggle with the idea of Jesus, and quite often, you know, I, I, I know a lot of them are still not sure who Jesus is and are looking at, but the surprising thing, and this is the thing that, that, that gets me, is our autumn are just like me and you. They do know Jesus, and they know him well. But for some reason, something's happening or something's conflicted in our lives or we get into that battle. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. And we get to that face off with Jesus where Jesus is saying, hey, I just want to shelter you. And in our heads, we're just like, I just can't do it. I, I, I can't go anymore. And so we see that struggle there and we have to think about it. I mean, take Judas, for example. I mean, Judas, I don't think, was an extremely bad person. I really don't believe that he wanted to be a bad person. Did he want to betray Jesus? I'm not sure that he really did, more than he just kind of fell into the scenario and he saw opportunities and, and things inside him that, you know, in the song they say, we're all made of greed. Money was thrown in front of him and he said, hey, I'll take it. You know, Jesus will be okay. It's Jesus. And in the end, Judas ended up struggling, you know, and, and failed and ended up hanging himself in the end. So I really don't believe that all people are really that bad person. They want, to, they want to really do good. And what we see from a lot of people is when they do make the mistake, I mean, what's the first thing we see? Regret, right? Regret, maybe some guilt, maybe even um, a little internal struggle with themselves to the point of you may have seen them around you where uh, they didn't want to get up and come to church this morning because they just couldn't face themselves sometimes or they didn't want other people to ask them questions or just whatever, the people just are like that. And I think that's what the video demonstrated to us there as we were looking at it. Um, I, I think he did an excellent job as Judas. I really do, because you could see that that was a live performance, and you could almost see in his face that this dude wanted to break down and cry while he was singing this song um, and, and fighting with Jesus. And I think that's a, a great demonstration that we see the painful you know, it was almost hard to watch a little bit because you find yourself filled with guilt. But we see that most people aren't like that, and Judas, of course, goes off and hangs himself. And then Peter, we saw Peter in there. You probably didn't recognize him, but that was the guy running. <laughs> he turned around, he looked, and he's like, okay, too much for me, I'm out of here. And he took off for the road, you know, and, and he, he went, went his own separate way. And then when I think about biblical characters, you might be surprised. How many of you think Paul struggled with sin? Well, let's take a look at it. We actually have the verse up there. This is Paul writing in Romans. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do. There's a lot of do's in here. But what I hate to do and what I do, I do not want to do. I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And just to kind of sum that up, I think we all get it, even with all those little extra do's and things in there. We all understand what Paul's trying to say is, what I really want to do, I just can't make it happen. Sometimes I, you know, I fail, and there's sometimes I do some wrong things, and I want to do right, 
But because of the sin that's living in me, sometimes I do wrong. I just do wrong. And so here's Paul just talking about that and spreading it out. And so when we come and we look at that, I mean, Paul of all people, the guy that wrote all the books and gave us all the instructions and a lot of things that we put in there and we put into our lifestyle, he's the one here saying, I mess it up. I mess it up a lot. And so when we look at this, we have to come back and say, yes, Christians do this dance that Judas and Jesus just did. Us as Christians, sometimes we get in our heads and something's wrong. We get a little lost. We get a little confused and we maybe even want a better relationship with Christ and we just kind of like just can't see it. Maybe we were expecting something more um, and we just suddenly get in our heads, we're not good enough, we're not worthy, or we just can't do it on our own and so we just shut ourselves off um, after battling this. So what I want to do today is kind of take a look at and find that, uh, you know, that we have an understanding that we ourselves can do this dance. I want to take a look at how we might fix some things, how we might get out of the dance and do a little bit better because I know it happens. And you might be sitting in your seats today. I almost want to say pews. That's how long it's been since I've been in front, I guess. <laughs> sitting in your seats today thinking in your head, He's right. I do do this dance. You know how I know this? Because I've done it. I've been in this dance. While I was out there in the wilderness, it was a challenge sometimes. Sometimes I felt like a failure. I felt like things weren't working out. Things weren't going the best way they could, or we could do better, or we could do a better thing in our church thing to make it grow. And, and sometimes I feel like I failed with people I was trying to help. There's nothing more than getting connected with a person, seeing them struggling, and then they're failing, and you're going, I just can't help them, and it starts troubling you. I know the pain. I know the struggle. I even know the depression that can go involved in it. I spent a little time in there for a while dwelling in that, just not feeling good about things. So I know what can happen with the dance. I know that we can end up in that dance to where we kind of find ourselves at one point face-to-face -face with Jesus, and we're doing that, can you feel my heat? Look into my eyes, Jesus. This is me. This is who I am. I, I, I'm, I'm just losing it. I can't do it anymore. But the difference that's going to happen and we need to make is what happens at the end of that conversation. Are we like Judas? Or are we going to be like Peter? Or are we going to be like some, somebody else and stand strong? So I know what can happen there. And so I want to look at this dance a little closer and just take a few minutes to run through a few things with you. First of all, Let's figure out how we got to the dance in the first place. How did we get to that dance? Well, Paul brought it up in the first thing. If we can go to that next screen, the first thing that he mentioned to is sin. He says, sin lives in me. They call it temptation for a reason, right? <laughs> I mean, sin lives in all of us. There are things out there that are in the world, and, and, and Satan knows just how much that we can fall for something and sure enough he's going to make sure it's available and it's out there in the world so whatever it may be with us we have this struggle it's our nature it's who we are sin lives in us so we got to think about that thing and 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 figure out okay if sin's in us or we have this possibility of falling to sin what am i going to do well first of all if it, if we fell into the sin that's where the real problem is going to lie right that's where we're going to find ourselves struggling. That's where we're going to find ourselves starting to 
step into those steps with Jesus on that dance. That's where we're going to get ourselves almost nose to nose with him and, and, and say, okay, I've got a problem here, and we're going to have to start making some decisions. So let's just think about this thing, sin, for just a second. We'll go to the verse that I have for you. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we will make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So let's just take that verse for a moment and just think with what it's saying there. If there's sin in our lives, the first thing he says with, deal with it. Don't try to ignore it. Don't try to put it aside and say it's not there. It no longer exists. You have to deal with it. There are some steps that you have to take. And Paul, or I mean John here, even lays it out for us. First of all, the first thing he says is, is don't deceive yourselves. He's forgot that in there. He says, don't deceive yourselves. How many of us walk around thinking, oh, well, it'll go away. It'll drop off the face of the earth. It'll never get brought up again. I can just move on, and I'll no longer have to think about it. But then we go on through the week, and the next thing you know, something comes back and reminds us of it. Somebody might say something that triggers a little thought in our head, and we're going, they know. So then in the back of your heads, how can I hide it deeper? What lie can I make up today? What can I throw in their face to kind of throw them off to a different direction? Well, don't deceive yourselves. It's not going away. It's not going away. And we're told that by John here. So what does he say to do? Confess it. Sit down with God. Have a conversation. Start working on that sin. And then what's it say God's going to do? Forgive us. He's going to forgive us of that sin. We're able to start moving on if we start dealing with that sin. And then we can start considering ourselves more worthy and start to step out of that dance. Because we don't have to ask Jesus to look into our eyes anymore because we're clear. We've got a better vision. We've stepped out of that, that situation. We're moving on. Then we can start to work to avoid the sin. Remember what it felt like when you got into that situation and you finally got out of it and opportunities for other sins to have come up when just go back to that they're going to figure it out they're going to know i'm going to have to make up a lie why go through that little step anyway just avoid it completely take a different road move on your way so the first thing we do is we deal with the sin if we deal with that we're okay but if we continue the sin we're starting the dance we're starting those little foot movements. We're starting to get into that conversation of look into my eyes, feel that heat that's coming off of me because I'm not worthy. Let's go to the second. I'm going to combine two things. Um, guilt, and there's one more. Hurt. So let's talk about those couple of things for a moment. I'm pretty sure guilt... It's probably one of the hardest things to overcome. It really is, because once you feel this guilty feeling, um, you become your own worst enemy. You really do, because not only are you battling with whatever's been bothering you, the situation out there, now there's an internal war that's going on, and those things just get so complicated that that's where you start thinking too much, you start getting in your head that you're not worthy, you start thinking other things, and pretty soon, you may find yourself not only in the dance with Jesus, but just completely gone up here. 
And it can really happen. I've watched so many people go through it, and I've sat down with so many people trying to talk to them and making them realize that all they're doing is hurting themselves by dwelling on this thing. Um, it's, it's funny how the verse we read before is if we step out of the sin, we can be forgiven, but for some reason, God can forgive us, but we can't forgive ourselves. Here we are, clean in the eyes of God, but in our own minds and in our own hearts, we're kind of like still stuck there, right? We're like, uh, you know, God may have forgiven me, but I just can't forgive him what I've done. I can't forgive him what, you know, I did. And, and, and God's just look. he's got to be still looking at me. He's got to still be in checking me out and still saying I'm still wrong. Even though he said he'd forgive me, how, how can somebody forgive something like that? He's God. He can forgive something like that. So why if... God can forgive something. Who, Bible tells us if we sin, we sin against God. If he can forgive us, why don't we start forgiving ourselves? And get off that little track of, of feeling like we're hurt or that we can't be forgiven. Um, story in scripture in Luke chapter 5. We're going to get the verse there. Well, I'll just give you a heads up. This is the story of, of where the friends are lowering the, the man through the roof. You know, they cut the hole in the roof and they couldn't get to Jesus, so they lowered the man down through the roof so Jesus could, could get to him and could see the guy. And this is where we pick up the story. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. And then the Pharisees, they look at it, it's the Pharisees and the teachers of the law begin thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Sins can be forgiven. So why do we hold on to the guilt? The Pharisees here, they understood sins could be forgiven. They're not questioning the fact that sins could be forgiven. They were questioning whether Jesus could be the one to forgive them or not. Obviously, he could. He's been given that authority, and he explains that to them. And here's the thing that, that, that I wanted to point out to you in this story is, when the sins, he says, your sins are forgiven, did the man question Jesus? No. What did he do? Stood up, got his stuff, and walked out. That man didn't question whether he was forgiven or not because Jesus had told him he was. Jesus had told him he was forgiven. So this man didn't question. He got up, picked his stuff up, walked out the door. Everybody else is going, what? But he just walked right on out the door because he didn't have any guilt about apparently whatever it was in his life. He was forgiven. So... Sins are forgiven. Why do we hold on to the guilt? Get up and walk. Move forward. Do the things that you need to do to get out of that dance and, and, and go, go on. And let's take a look at that second one real quick, and that's the part about hurt. Right along with guilt, another one that's really hard to get over. When somebody hurts us, we can, we can hold on to that for a while. If something in our life comes along and breaks us down and hurts us, it sticks for a, a moment. Sometimes it may be you know, a month. Sometimes it may be years that it's there and it just keeps going on. Um, no one likes to be done wrong. 
How many of you want to walk out here today and be blindsided by somebody? I mean, is everybody looking forward to that? Go to lunch, somebody blindsides you with something, and you're just sitting there in awe? No, nah, none of us look forward to that. We don't like it. It hurts. That's why it's called hurt. It's painful. We don't like that. Um, so when we get into a situation where sometimes something happens, it's a person, event, or whatever, questions come to mind. The first one is, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this person doing this to me? Why did they bring this up? Why are they, why are they picking on me? Why? And when we get into the why question, the pain starts to build up. The hurt starts to get there. Pretty soon, the dance starts to come a little bit with Jesus. And then we start questioning. Maybe we start questioning God. Where are you? Where are you in this event? Why aren't you helping me? I look to you. I pray to you every day. I come to you. Why is this happening? Why aren't you involved? So we start questioning God. We get a little angry with God, maybe. We ask, how could you let this happen? And when those things start to drift in, then we start to, to go on to the other questions about God. I like to, when I was here for Christmas and I heard the bells. It's a great story with Longfellow and, and he goes on all these tragic events happening in his life. And as he's poeming, printing this out, one of the things he brings up is God is not dead when he finally comes to realize that. If he brings that up, then obviously in his head was God's dead. Why did my wife have to go through this? Why did my daughter get burned? Why did my son, you know, in the war get injured, die? You know, all these things. And Longfellow's pinning his thing, but at the end he says, God's not dead, because he comes to realize that God was still alive and there. But in our heads, that's where we go, right? If God's not actively working in this situation, and maybe we don't see it, and we're not feeling it, well, then obviously God's dead. We can't deal with it anymore. And we're just, you know, if he's not really dead, then he's dead to me because he's not helping me out. He doesn't love me anymore. Those are the thoughts that get in our heads. But let's take a look at the next thing we got. Everybody knows this verse, right? It's the one the guy at the football games is holding up. I mean, we all know this verse. And it's the first one we had to memorize, the first one that, you know, we're always taught. Um, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his own and only son. And that's, of course, not the whole verse, but that's the part I wanted to look at is there's a word in there. For God so loved what? The world. If I'm not mistaken, you're all part of the world, right? I'm a part of the world. You're a part of the world. The world's here. We live in it. So if God, if God so loved the world, he just didn't send his son to die on the cross for that person or that person over there or maybe you know, a guy down the street or whatever. He sent his son for the world. So if we take that, break that down just for a minute, God hates no one. He might not like what they do. There are some conditions on salvation, yes, but in here what we're learning is God's love is for everyone. He loves the world. He just doesn't like the things the world may be doing or a person may be doing. So we have to get that out of our head that God is dead, God doesn't love us, and then we have to be able to move on. And here's some suggestions that I, I say that you take and you use to be able to realize that God loves you in a great way. First of all, look at your church. Look to your church, look at your church. Step inside the doors, 
And when you're getting to that point of where you're feeling like God doesn't love you, and you're starting to do that dance, prepare to open up. Because this is the place where you're going to be able to come and should be able to come to bring those things out and start to get out of that dance and really see where you are in your relationship and help your relationship get restored with Christ. You're not going to walk into Walmart. I know it well. You're not going to walk into Walmart, walk up to a guy in the aisle and go, I'm just really hurting and, I, and this is going on and I just think Jesus doesn't love me. That guy's going to go, and I just came to get syrup. I mean, that's what you're going to get, right? I just came to get the syrup, man. I don't even know who you are. What are you talking about? This is the place where you need to go. This is the place where you need to be able to come. This is the place where people should be opening up to you and helping you get to that point. And with that said, church, don't put on the blinders. Those of you out there that might not be struggling at the time or don't find yourself trying, really be there for them. Be there for them because people need to feel the love. I recently saw a video just recently where this guy was talking about his mother and um, he was stating that how she was at the football game and she'd be running down the sideline screaming, you know, go, Joey, go, 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 go. You got this, you got this, knock him down. And he gets back into the huddle and he's breathing hard and he says, hey, man, is that, your, they're all, is that your mom? And he goes, man, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> he's trying to pretend it wasn't his mom. And, and, and so... He'd tell him all this, and, and at the end, his mother had died, and he wasn't there at the end. And he made a statement in it, and he says, people are going to tell you about love. People are going to tell you they love you out there. He says, but I'm here to tell you now, nobody knows what love is until it's demonstrated to you, and you are the love. And he was convincing us and telling people that they need to go out and to love people, to share Christ with them, he says, you need to demonstrate it, you need to live it, and you need to give it away. Church, that's what you got to be. That's what you got to be when people are help, uh, hurting and they're full of guilt. You got to be open to that you are the love. I, I remember there was, there was a time when this is one of the most hurtful things that probably happened to me and maybe started me feeling it like down this path a little bit at one point was I remember feeling really betrayed and let down. I had made a, you know, a decision to do some things, to move on and to, and to go forward. And, and speaking to someone um, you know, that was very close, pastor, um, explaining my situation to him, telling him I, I just feel really down and out and was feeling very hurt. Um, I said, you know, I'm not the only one. This, uh, you know, and this person goes, oh, sometimes we get like that. and Yeah, maybe it's time to take a break. Maybe you should do this. Yeah, we just feel like that sometimes. I said, well, so-and-so feels like that too. What? They feel like that? We need them. I hung up the phone. <laughs> it's like, okay, I feel real good now. Moved on a little bit. And then I talked to another pastor, and he sat me down. He sighed, and he goes, he goes you know what? He goes, you got to forget that. He says, sometimes we're our worst own enemy. He says, the best quality sometimes the church has is to shoot their wounded. And I looked at him and I said, what? And he goes, because it happens. He says, sometimes we don't know how to deal with that. We end up shooting our wounded instead of helping them heal. So I just wanted you to hear that and keep that in mind that, that once a person comes like that and comes to you, look around, be the love. Share the love with them. 
help them build up, because someday they may need to return and do the favor to you. Because we'll all go through it, we all go through those things. I kind of like to feel like it's the military kind of thing in my head is, no man left behind. Or for those Disney lovers and Angie, let's go to this one. Ohana means family. Family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. That's what we are as a church. We need to make sure no one gets left behind or feels forgotten. How many of you have seen people walk out the door and you're going, I wonder what happened to them? And then we find out later they were hurt. And they may have showed up hoping to get some love, and it didn't happen. We have to be very, very careful and, and very cautious and watch ourselves and make sure that we were able to take care of people in that way. And then the next thing, that, the last thing that I think I have here of, of what gets us to this dance is, is a lack of faith. A lack of faith really gets us into the dance. And there's a lot of things that can lead to having a lack of faith. I've mentioned the first couple already, and hurt and guilt will lead you to down that path to having a lack of faith because once you get to that point, pretty soon you're just, you're just lost in it. But I think um, there's some other things that can happen too. Um, maybe things in our life aren't happening as expected. Maybe we prayed a lot about a certain situation and it didn't go the way we wanted. It probably went the way God wanted, but maybe it didn't go the way we wanted. And so we got lost in that, and we felt a little hurt because it didn't go the way we wanted. I think that's where Judas was at. I think the thing was, Judas was looking at what he thought Jesus was supposed to be doing, how Jesus was supposed to come in, and how Jesus was supposed to take care of everything, and he got a different person than what he expected. I think he loved Jesus very much. I mean, why else would he go out and hang himself at the end? You don't have guilt and hurt about something if you didn't really have some passion about it or care about it. I think he really did love Jesus, but I think he saw things as not changing fast enough. So he did something that he thought maybe would speed up the process, and in that, found out that that wasn't, that wasn't going to do what he wanted either. Um, I think he was just looking at all those things, and his faith started to waver a little bit there at the end. He started to question his own, you know, being able to follow Jesus, and he questioned his faith. And for a Christian, I think we do that sometimes too, and we find ourselves having so many problems. Maybe there's relationship issues. I was telling them in the Sunday school class that, you know, I hear a lot of that at work, and they're all going back and forth about boyfriends, and I get on the floor, and other people are talking about things, and sometimes I just want to look at them and go, I'm not your high school counselor. And, and so the relationships can start to drive people into a different direction. Finances, that's a big one. We financially get strapped or, you know, and the world's really moving in a different direction where finances are important. We don't have the money for things. Um, we just find ourselves to having problems in that area, and maybe we think that God's not hearing our thoughts and our prayers or concerned about us enough to bless us with the things that we need, and so our faith starts to dwindle. And here's a biggie, people. People can stress our faith. Um, just they kind of come into our lives and they challenge us in different ways and maybe they challenge us in ways that we start to feel frustration and we want to 
you know, take it out on them a little bit. We're trying to keep it all in and be Jesus-like, and, you know, we struggle, and pretty soon we're just like, we just, we just start to, to lose faith in people and maybe lose faith in God's creation a little bit, and we start to step back. Um, it's a common problem, it is, that we start to lose faith. I mentioned Judas. That one was obvious. What about Job? Remember the end of Job? Everybody remember how Job ends? He's arguing with God about how God should have destroyed Nineveh, sitting under a tree. God sends down a worm. The tree gets ate up, and, and, and Job just, Jonah, sorry. Jonah, he just, thank you for correcting me, though. Um, he just gets sitting there under the tree, and all of a sudden, you know, the tree gets ate up after God sends the worm, and he's thinking, oh, this is great. Give me a tree, now you take it away, too. Do you remember what happens to Jonah at the end of Jonah? Nobody does, because that's the it. He's losing, he has no more to go. Think of what if he just stood up and said, okay, God, you've got this. I'm going on to my next thing. Jonah may have three or four more books. <laughs> we don't know. But instead, he's sitting under a tree pouting at the end, and that's the last we hear of him. That's it. He'd lost his faith in, in what was going on. And then Peter, we saw him running away in the video. Later on in John chapter 23, one of the most famous lines I think Peter ever muddles when he's lonely and depressed and Jesus is now, you know, he's been resurrected, but he's not with them. I'm going fishing. He was done. I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I was doing before. I'm going to go out on the boat. I'm going fishing. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty common. But look what Jesus says about our faith. I have told you these things so you may have peace and in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When this comes to our faith and we're looking at this, we think about it. Um, Jesus says, I've told you this for your peace. He's gone through this whole story, the things that are going to happen. He says, I'm trying to give you a little peace in life. But then he throws this little kicker in. You're going to have problems. None of us wants to hear that. We're thinking, Jesus, this is going to be great, right? You're going to make everything good? No. There's going to be some problems. You're going to have issues in life. You're going to have some problems. But he finally throws that thing on the end. Take heart. This is the part I like, because when you say take heart, you're telling somebody, hey, pay attention to what I'm about to say. This is important. Drill this in, because you're going to need it. I have overcome the world. He's saying, don't give up. Don't lose your faith. Keep moving forward because, hey, guess what? I win. In the end, what I'm doing is going to win out, and you're all going to see it. So it comes down to that. What are we going to do? How are we going to end this dance? And how will it make the difference? Judas went off death. That's what it ended up for him. Peter saw Jesus on the shore, jumped in, swam the shore, had a conversation, got reinstated, went through and did miraculous things. He got out of that dance real quick that he was starting to do. But Jesus brought him back around. So I encourage you, fight the urge. Don't give up when these things start to happen. Find your local mass unit. 
I say that because it's a battle. We're in a struggle every day that we walk out these doors, we go back to work, we go out to our lives out in the world. It's a battlefield. And then we end up having to, to fight it out and to, to be able to, to hold ourselves. We've got one last verse here, or maybe one more verse. Uh, let us consider on how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the day, all the more as you see the day approaching. That's really a key verse right there. First of all, it tells us that sometimes we're a patient. Sometimes we're a patient, we need to go to the mass unit. I kind of consider that's what this is sometimes. It's a battlefield out there. This is the hospital where you come and you get patched up sometimes when you go through those rough stages. Um, get your dose of love and good deeds. That's where the church comes in. Your love and good deeds and your encouragement from the medical staff that's here to build you up and go back out. Um, if you're not going through some of the fight, then guess who you are? You're the medical staff. You're the ones that need to treat the wounded. Not shoot them. Treat the wounded. Treat the wounded and get them back up and make sure you prescribe what's here. The love, the good deeds, and the encouragement and, and help them get back on their feet and get back out. Then I suggest you get into the Word. A um, couple of last verses. First one's for our protection. I've hidden your Word in my heart that you might not sin against you. And then the second one there is for strength. We need that protection as we go out in the world. And then the next one is strength. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. When we're not ashamed of the gospel, we get into that word, we're talking about it, we're living it, we're going to develop strength where we can stand up and we can step out of the dance. So if we apply those things to ourselves and... Um, we can start to move out of the dance very quickly. I'm telling you this because, like I said, I've experienced the dance and I've watched the dance and I've tried to help people get out of the dance. I've moved right along beside them and, and saying, you're worthy, get away from this, um, move on, how can I help you? Um, if we continue in the dance, there's nothing, nowhere to go but pain and misery. If we get out of the dance, well, then we got something good and and hopeful to look forward to. But the dance is a painful one, and it will not be a good ending if we just continue to do that look into my eyes thing with Jesus, and at the end throw our hands up and walk away, still singing our song and moving away from Jesus and, and going out into the world only to find ourselves destroyed. Step out of that dance. Do those things. Find yourself preparing yourself for a better place. Because there's another dance that I didn't talk about that I'm really looking forward to. And that's the one in the kingdom of God. There, it's a different relationship because Jesus is the bridegroom. We are the bride, the church. And when we step up for that dance, ooh, that's going to be a good one. It's going to be better than the struggle of look at my hurt, look at my needs, and I, I just can't take you anymore, step away. This one's going to be an embrace. And we're going to enjoy it. We're going to love it. Like I said, I've been out there for a while now. So much has changed out there. and I, I sometimes feel like Jesus, what he said in Matthew 9, where he looked out and he said, I see the, he sees the compassion, or the fields, and he has compassion on them. And he says, send the workers. I, I 
feel like I'm one of those people that has compassion for those that are wounded, guilt-ridden, and hurting because it's not easy to go it alone. And so I've been struggling with that, and I think that's part of my, I've got so many stories I could tell you of my time in, it's 12 years, <laughs> of church in the wilderness, of people I've met, and things that have happened, and the way I've watched, and the way I've seen God work in developing me to, to have this, this heart and this compassion for these people, that, you know, that's where my time's been, training in the wilderness. My goal is to go out there and to share some of these things with different people so that when a hurting person is out there, we're not pulling the trigger, we're putting on the Band-Aids. And if you're one of those people, I want to be able to encourage you to get out of the dance and have a great relationship with Christ. Um, so I hope this makes a difference this morning in what I've shared with you because I think the dance is a terrible thing. Having been in it and having watched others been in it, it's, it, it's, it's a horrible thing. And so I'm, I'm trying to encourage you this morning to get out of that. I really appreciate you allowing me to come and to, to share these things with you this morning to speak to you. And, and I hope the rest of your day is, is, is blessed and, and um, have a great afternoon.